With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's 10 p.m. and Pure Gold is live on the air for this Tuesday night, March 1st, 2011. It's a new week and a new month of Pure Gold. Hope everyone had a nice weekend like I did. Welcome once again to the show that covers sports, life, and everything in between. We've got a great show for you as always, but before we begin, my name is Joe, Just Business Buccino, and as always, my tag team partner and co-host, David Gomez, a.k.a. DG, a.k.a. the one and only Daily Grind. How are you, sir, tonight? I am doing fantabulous, sir. Wonderful, amazing, splendid, and yourself? I'm doing well as well, and I know that I won't ask you about the weekend because... We actually did something this weekend, so we'll talk about that later in the show, sir. <laughs> that sounds good to me, sir. Let's give out the contact information, Purple. Well, folks, as always, a call in line if you'd like to talk to us or our guests for the evening, 714-364-4721. Our email address is puregoldpg at yahoo.com. Our Twitter, puregoldpg. You can follow us on Facebook, puregoldpg. And as always, our YouTube channel, Pure Gold PG. And folks, JB and myself write articles for sportsrages.com, or at least we claim to. JB? Yeah, we definitely claim to because I don't remember the last time I wrote an article for sportsrages.com, DG. And neither do I, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we, we always open the show with you know sports life and everything between, so it's a new month. We're going to do things a little different tonight. We're going to be talking about life and everything in between with our guests. Yes, so, sir. DG, without further ado, let's introduce. Folks, we have joining us tonight the one and only personal friend of mine, Mr. Juan de Jesus, better known as Forgiven. Juan is a uh, is a Christian rapper, and uh, you know his name is Forgiven OC, OC standing for Original Christian, and he, of course he's going to get into all of that. So, Mr. De Jesus, Mr. Forgiven, how are you doing tonight, sir? Hey, brother David, how you doing tonight? God bless, man. Doing great, doing great, sir. Very, uh, very pleased to have you on the air. And I know that you and I had uh, quite a long conversation last night, and we were discussing a, a lot of things. So let's get right into this. For the fans that don't know you, can you, uh, can you, you know, give us your backstory? How did Forgiven, or, how, or rather, how did Juan become Forgiven? Wow. Long story, but I'm gonna cut it really short. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I used to be a gang member in 1998. I got arrested for conspiracy to commit homicide in the second degree. I used to be um, part of Latin King Gang in uh, in New Jersey, 
I got caught up in a really bad situation. You know, I was living a real bad life. And, um, you know, I got caught up in a, in a double homicide situation, which I was in jail facing about 60 years. And just, you know, I got to the rock bottom, man. And, um, you know, the reason why I call myself forgiven now is because God did something miraculous in my life that, you know, he delivered me from all of that. And um, not only did I come home from a crazy situation, I'm still alive today, you know, because um, that type of lifestyle you don't uh, just walk away from. But uh, God yeah. made it possible to do it, you know. So, you know, that's, you know, I go by forgiven now because of that. And, you know, God opened up the door for me to do a lot of rapping and stuff like that. So I do a lot of rapping between churches and Christian communities, you know, I try to give back to the community. I go to juvenile jails and stuff like that, and, you know, just trying to do a positive message that, you know, God can give you a second chance, and if he, do, and he does give you a second chance, you know, use it for him. Mr. Okay. Forgiven, this is JB of Pure Gold. How are you, sir? Hey, JB. How you doing tonight? I'm doing I'm doing good. Um, just so um, I know and maybe the rest of the audience knows, it's always good to, you know, um, I, I feel like sometimes it's good to scare people, and you know when you scare them, that's you know that's basically the way that they get the message across. Um, can you explain to us, to the audience, what's the routine? Uh, what's you know what's it like to be in prison, and is it, is it as bad as it's made out to be on TV or the movies? Uh, it's, I would say it's worse. Um, not to scare anybody, I'll just be honest. You know, it's a you're, you're basically put in a box. You know, you go to a place where you can't leave. And um, remember, um, people that do crimes go to prison. They take them to prison. So they take, like, the undesirables and the people that are, you know, have bad situ bad uh, lifestyles and attitudes and personalities, even people that's killed and raped and done horrible things. And they put them all, you know, they, they, they put them all into one small place. And then, so imagine, all the people that undesirables that society doesn't want, when you get incarcerated, you get to be in there with them. So you can just imagine how, how crazy it can be in there sometimes. Most of the time, actually. Okay. And did you find it to be, um, I mean, obviously, um, you know, with God and everything, you were able to, like, you know, get through all of that. Do you think that there was other people that you felt in prison that could have been saved by just, you know, believing in God a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, when I... The crazy thing about my situation is right before I got incarcerated, um, I gave my life to the Lord. So, I, you know, I literally dropped my colors and my uh, gang affiliations. And, you know, um, two weeks later I got incarcerated. They found me. They incarcerated me. They put me in jail. And um, ironically, during the time I stood in this prison, I kept studying. I kept praying. I kept getting uh, more familiar with God. And something happened while I was in there. I actually started teaching, like, Bible studies and stuff like that. So, People are, there's a lot of good people that do wrong choices. You know, mistakes is something you do accidentally. When you do crimes, it's usually a choice that you chose, you know. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of people, believe it or not, there's a lot of people that that do repent, you know. And um, believe it or not, I was in there, I started preaching, and, you know, I, I had about, there were times that I've had Bible studies with like 30 people from a tier, you know what I mean? So it's like there are people that do want to change their lives around. There's a lot of them that don't. But there are a few that do. That's great. You know, the interesting thing, uh, forgiven, about your story is that you you just touched on it, but you got saved right before you went into prison. Most people who do get saved in the prison system, it's always in, you know, the middle of their sentence, somewhere in between where, you know, they hit their quote-unquote rock bottom. But you felt that you hit your rock bottom right before you went in. 
Um, let me ask you from a perspective of somebody who had just gotten saved, did you think, did you, Ed, did this ever cross your mind? Did you think, man, you know, I gave my life to the Lord. Maybe I won't have to go to prison. Maybe something miraculous will come. Or did you go in expecting to serve the time, not expecting that uh, Red Sea, you know, amazing miracle to happen? Now, to be honest with you, I was, um, I was kind of like doing my last rites to myself because um, it's kind of long, but I'm going to try to shorten it up for you. When I got, when I accepted the Lord, I, I walked into the church. You know, at the time, I had gang brothers looking to kill me. I had, uh, I had, you know, police officers obviously looking to arrest me, and I didn't expect to be living much longer. So when I went into the church, um, a non-related reason, I just happened to walk into the church, and when I was in there, um, you know, pastor started, the pastor of the church started talking. Sounded like he was talking directly to me. Um, like I said, make a long story short, he started when he was preaching. I mean, I really felt God calling me. It sounded like he was talking exactly to, you know, talking about, talking directly to me, you know. And when I accepted yeah. the Lord, you know, when I accepted the Lord, I just, I just knew it was for me. So, you know, I said, Lord, if you are, if you, if you are, because I didn't really, you know, I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't anything about that. I just. I knew he was calling me, and I looked up, you know, believe it or not, and I said, and you know, when I gave did the sinner's prayer, I said, if you're real, you know, well, I'm going to give my life to you. At least if I die, at least if I die, you know what I mean, I can be with you. But, I, you know, yeah. I said, if, this is, if you can do something with me, give me a life I thought I never, you know, give me a life I, I didn't think I could, I could have, you know. And he did. I mean, you know, two, you know, I, I accepted the Lord. Two weeks later, I got incarcerated. I was facing 60 years. Gang members wanted me dead. Um, you know, all types of care. My life was over, but, you know, lo and behold, I came home. I got delivered from everything, you know, so he answered my prayer. I didn't expect to die. I, I, I want to stress this. I didn't I didn't expect to live, you know. I didn't go in there, I want to be a goody-goody Christian guy. No, nah, I really, you know, God had a whole completely different plan, man. And, you know, last thing I was thinking, I would be walking around a free man. But God is good, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's amazing that, you know, to hear that type of testimony because you hear other people, like I said, in, in prison. And people always talk about the jailhouse conversions, but your story, like I said, is so different because it happened right before. And, uh, again, you know, knowing you for, for the time that I've known you, obviously we, we've spoken about this, but it's always good to get that perspective. And people out there, maybe there's a young person, you know, and I deal with a lot of them at the church, who may be going down the wrong road, and they might hear your story and say, wow, you know what, I don't want to end up like that. You know, and, and I'm sure that you would tell anybody, you know, uh, do things right before you end up in prison, before you, you go down that road, because, you know, you said it's worse than it is on TV, so, I, I mean, I can't, even, I can't even imagine that. But, uh, you know, switching gears for a second, since you are now known for what you do uh, behind the microphone, as it were, how long have you been doing rap? And my second question to that is, I know that you have several albums out so far in your career, uh, Give us a timeline. When was your first album released, and when did your last album come out? I know it was recently, so can you can you share that with yeah. us? Well, you know, really, I've always I was always in the rap since day one. I mean, since I was a kid, I came, I grew up in the inner city, and you know that was the type of music that we used to listen to. But uh, I never really dedicated myself to it because I was too busy actually doing. You know, back then it was gangster rap, so. You know, I was actually doing the gangster stuff instead of I didn't have time to actually rap about it. I was too busy doing it. You know what I mean? And yeah, myself, yeah, yeah. So I got you know, but um, when I got saved, uh, I got saved, I got saved in July 28, 1998. Um, you know, I did my time. I came home and everything. And December 27, 2000. I really didn't want. To, I wasn't. The last thing I was thinking about was rapping. 
But um, I went to a, a cross movement concert. That those are Christian rappers um, down in uh, Zarephath when they used to have Autumn Blaze over there a couple of years back. And um, that was a concert that uh, Zarephath uh, College used. To, I believe was a college, ninety nine point one, and all those guys. They used to throw concerts out there back then. I saw some rappers called uh, Cross Movement um, rapping, and I felt a tugging in my heart. You know, like I was telling me, this is what you got to do. You know. Remember, I yeah. used to always talk about bad things, you know, gangster rap. When I did rap, I talk about, you know, killer, murder, this, that, and the third. But, um, you know, there's a saying back in the day we used to say, keep it real. You know, back then I used to keep it real. I used to live that life. But I got saved as a Christian, so I was keeping it real. So, you know, I was rapping about God. And, believe you know, from there I started rapping and little slowly but surely just started developing into a ministry. Um, What was the other thing you asked me about? I believe it was the CDs, right? Yeah, yeah. When, when did your first album drop and uh, your last album so far to date? Uh, let's see. I have three out official right now. I have tons of mixtapes out there, a lot of cameos with a lot of different uh, um, Christian rappers and a couple of R&B singers and stuff like that. So I want to say December, I mean, I want to say 2007, my first one came out, official one. No, was it seven? No, no, that was my second one. I believe it was 2003 or 2004. Um, it was Christ okay. Redeemer. Living Testimony, that was the first one. That's basically talking about, you know, my testimonial, like, in-depth about, you know, things I went through. Uh, Christ Our Redeemer was more of a more of a song type of, it wasn't necessarily so hardcore. It was more musical, more songwriting. Still talking about testimonials, but it was a lot more praising to God. And the third one I did, that, was, that one was 2007, Christ Our Redeemer. The one I just released recently was Christ Up, Devil Down. That was, like, a real, you know, just... You know, claiming like uh, the song goes, what set are you claiming? You know, Christ up, the devil's yeah. down. What set you? So it's like you know, I'm 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 doing a professional. I'm asking people in the crowd, you know, who are you claiming? You know, it's kind of like more of a street lingo type of thing, as in, you know, um, God is, you know, God God's gang is up, devil's gang is down. Who are you affiliating yourself with? You know, so yeah, it's kind of yeah. just out to the people and having them really think about, you know choices, whose side you want to be on, the bad side or the good side. You know, that came out just recently, 2011. It's a long story for that, but um, had to be put back because I don't know if a couple people know out there, but I got injured because um, I used to have a secular job, which means worldly. I used to be a truck driver, and I got hurt. I lost vision in my left eye, so I was recuperating. If not, I would have had it out a lot earlier. Gotcha. Yeah. Folks, this is this is pure gold, and we have forgiven on tonight, it's March 1st. Uh, Mr. Forgiven, I'm going to call you Mr. Forgiven, I like that. Um, how do you try to <laughs> convince, how do you convince the youth that rap, that like rap, that Christian rap is better than what we consider the traditional rap nowadays that's full of cursing, violence, and for the most part have negative connotations to it? Well, first off, they, they're surprised that, because there's a lot of people to this day that they're surprised that there's such thing as a Christian rapper. You know, um, to this day, there's kids that don't even know about it. So when I come across them, it's like a completely different genre of music, and it blows their minds away when they're hearing the music is just as hard, just as powerful, just as strong, but the message is completely different compared to all the, you know, uh, cussing and, and saying all the bad things that the secular world is talking about. And um, a lot of times, you know, they accept it because it's just playing good music. <laughs> it's just playing yeah, good music. Right. But for me to try to change somebody's preference, um, my my what I do is mainly really just witnessing, man. I'm always confessing about 
you know, saving grace of the Lord, what he's done for me. And a lot of these kids that are out there actually living it, you know, they listen to some pe- people that have already been through it. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, a yeah. lot of times it helps out a lot. Because they want to change their lives and they don't know how. I'm not I'm not a real religious guy. I'm a reality Christian because he really Jesus really saved my life. You know, I'm not trying to convert anybody into anything. I'm just they ask me how did I change, I just point the finger to him. And a lot of people yeah. see that to receive that, you know. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's important because uh like I said earlier, when you deal with the youth and stuff, they, the, what they perceive as success is, you know, people like Jay Z, people like uh, Kanye West and you know, even you know, Drake, or even to a different extent outside of music, like Charlie Sheen, everything going on with him now, there's so many, and obviously we pray for them as Christians, but there's so many negative influences in the world, and all they do is talk about, really, you you listen to the music, F this, F that, be this, be that, and it's just so terrible, and, you know, I remember when I was a teenager listening to Cross Movement for the first time, and I was like, you know, these guys are pretty decent, but for the most part, to be honest with you, I've always thought that a lot of Christian rappers are are really they're just whack. You know, I think Lecrae is awesome. And, you know, being honest, Lecrae I think is great. I like your stuff. You know, you've been to the church, and obviously, uh, you know, my wife loves Christ Up, Devil Down. But And Blessed is another one that my uh, my brother-in-law has a, a Christian rap label. But for the most part, I don't think a lot of it is that good. In, in your experience, um, what has the reaction been to your music by the fans, by the worldly people, not so much Christians, but also, uh, you know, even other Christian rappers. What like what experience have you had with the fans? I mean, I've had both. Fans, not so much. I mean, they really appreciate it because I'm kind of, like, I really don't, uh, you, know, you know how, like, a regular musician or something, they really cater because they're really trying to sell their music or they really cater into the crowd type of thing. Like, they really want to be popular, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Me, yeah. I, I got one mission, and my mission alone is to tell people how great God is. I mean, I can be in a yeah. room by myself and rap like there's 10,000 people in there. So I think that comes across in, in the crowds a lot. Like, you know, they see I'm really passionate about it, and they see I'm not afraid. And a lot of times they're very receptive to that, you know. So I've had a lot of positivity, like a lot of positive reviews. And remember, I don't just, I'm a minister. I don't just rap, like. You know, a lot of these rappers, and I'm not judging nobody, but a lot of these guys be out and they're worrying about how big the crowd is and how big the concert is. Me, I'm the type of guy that you catch me in the juvenile facilities rapping to the little kids, you know what I mean, that are locked up. You see me talk, talk rapping to the bums in the street. There's a, you know, if I yeah. have an opportunity. Because I use it as a witnessing tool. I mean, it's a privilege for me to tell people about God because what he's done for me. And like I said, I'm just using it to try to help people. I mean, I get a lot of positive reviews. Ironically, again, not to be judging, you know, I think a lot of lot, there's a couple Christian rappers out there that do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Like they're rapping because yeah. they're trying to be safe. And I don't know. Like me, I, whether you like me or not, <laughs> I just say I just look at it this way, man. If you like me, listen. You know, if you don't, it's okay. You know what I mean? A lot of people yeah. didn't like Jesus when he was around. So, <laughs> good point. Something something I'm very curious about is that um, who do you think is probably the greatest rapper in your opinion of all time, and who do you think is a good rapper nowadays, whether it be secular or Christian? Wow, what a question. Are you trying to do a debate <laughs> here? Oh, man. The greatest rapper of all time. That's hard to say because I got – listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit up there in the age now, and I got influenced over a lot of different rappers. Um. 
Wow. I can't even I can't even answer that, man, to be honest. I mean, I could uh, I could tell you who I feel is the greatest rapper uh, in my opinion, and uh, I don't want you to laugh when I tell you this, but um I also feel like um you two guys, you two gentlemen that, you know, you don't need to be cursing to to get your message across in terms of rapping. So, I I'm going to have to say my favorite rapper of all time is Will Smith. I respect that. That's I respect that what that what that <laughs> I mean, I'm what he's done, I mean, you know, secular or not, what he's done with the industry and what he's done with his, with that, you know, remember, he's a kid coming out of Philly. You know what I mean? He had nothing. And what he did, he really he was really determined, and he just made it work for him, you know. This guy, I mean, if you really look at it, beside, before the movies and all that, I mean, he did some amazing things, a lot of breakthroughs, like you said. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't out there cussing or nothing like that. But he made, you know, just for the, just for the, you know, the sheer you know, capability, like how far he went with it is just crazy in a good way. Now, lyrically, yeah, he's pretty good. I'll give it to him. <laughs> I'll give it to him. Not my, not, my, not my taste, but, you know, everybody has their different styles, you know what I mean, that, that they enjoy more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, I actually have a – we actually have a caller on the line, forgiven, who would like to ask you. He came in a little bit late. Our, our call screener mentioned it to me. Um, but he didn't hear the beginning, your your actual testimony part. So uh, we have uh, Angel joining us from Woodland Park. And Angel, you'd like forgiven to uh, repeat what what happened with jail and how he got out and everything? Yeah, yeah, that was that. Yeah, that uh, was uh, that's very interesting what he was talking about. Well, okay. Yeah, nineteen. Well, the testimony is nineteen ninety eight. Um, I don't really want to get too much into detail exactly what happened it was a horrible situation, but basically. Um, I was I was with some gang brothers. I didn't see. I I got caught in a what you call a conspiracy charge. I didn't kill the people per se. Like I didn't have my hands around them, but I was still you know caught up in the whole situation due to the fact I was one of the drivers that was uh, that was there at the time of the crime. Um, like I said, you know, since I didn't do the crime and stuff like that, and physically hit you know uh, put my hands around them and stuff. You know, the reason why I say God has been was so merciful to me because you know the way the whole case and everything got orchestrated. You know what I mean? I got shown I got shown an amazing amount of leniency, and that's to me, especially in Essex County at the time. Um, they were doing the real. You know, I don't know if you remember a couple of years back. You know, when gangs were really like prevalent in like Essex County and like Trenton and stuff like that. So they were really yeah. starting to crack down hard. So still around. They're got, still around. What happened? Go ahead. No, I'm saying that they're still around. Oh yeah, they're still around, heavy, definitely. But I'm just saying, remember, it was like a pinnacle, like a ninety, like around ni- uh, what, ninety-seven, ninety-six, ninety-eight, around there, especially in like in Newark and Patterson, the Pacific. It was like everywhere you go it was like uh, everything, LKs, and uh, I don't want to keep using different names. When yeah, you know, Spanish gangs, black gangs, yeah, yeah. like like to like an overflow. And, you know, I could, the amazing thing to me was that, you know, God is so merciful because they could have buried me, man. You know, when when once they got you dead, it's the right to, you know, the law could do whatever the heck they want to do with you, especially if they want to set an example to you. And the amazing thing yeah. to me is that I really believe there was angels around me because not only the fact that I was able to come home, but the fact is that, you know I me, mean, I didn't die. I walked away from something that, you know, the people I dealt with, uh, it will kill you. It wasn't not that, you know, I was in jail for murder, so a conspiracy to commit murder, so they will kill you. You know what I mean? So, but through the mercy of God, the way he orchestrated and everything, I came back to the same neighborhood, 
the same area, and, you know, nothing happened to me because when I was incarcerated, they did all, I guess they did all the rounds and everything, and there was a big war that happened out here. A lot of people died and stuff, and like I said, I walked out, and, you know, I was, besides I was free from jail, I was really free from the whole life because everything that all my enemies were gone, you know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah, you know. How for me, did you feel? How did you feel when you was incarcerated? I mean, what what was going through your mind? I mean, because right now oh. I'm listening to what you're saying, and I have a relative who's locked up, and I just want to get a little feedback from uh, the way you were feeling, and everything else. You know, I, I understand you went back to your your old neighborhood, which that's good. I mean, you could see the the changes and everything else, but you know, you as an individual. When you got locked up, I mean, what was going through your mind? I mean, do you ever going to feel freedom again? No. See, like I said, when right before I got incarcerated, I was expecting to die. It wasn't about me just going to jail. You know, it was a real bad situation. Now, when I got incarcerated, um, everything that I knew, you got to understand, I was, you know, I'm a couple, I'm a two, three generation, you know, uh, gang affiliate. In other words, my mother, my, not my mom was a gang member, but my family, you know, not the same gang, but they dibble dabbled in gangs. So I've been around it for a long time. And um, when I, everything that I knew about, you know, was about, you know, when I wasn't running the streets was gang affiliated. So when I got incarcerated, everything that I knew was gone. Remember, when you go in there, you know, it sounds good. I want to say this stresses to these little kids running around, want to be a gang member. It seems good, like you got your friends and all that. When you go in, when you go to jail, man, everybody turns their back on you. You know, and everything that you thought was true was a lie. You know, and I, I really want to stress that, and I always stress that to these kids. But uh, my life was over, man. Everything that I knew fell apart. I felt like I was dead. I mean, I felt like you know, in Spanish, is a word he says, "apagado." You know what I mean? Your lights out. Yeah. You know Do you I mean? have a family of your own now? Or what? Are you married? Yeah, yeah, the miraculous thing is that back then, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to be able to have a family, but I came home and God gave me a second chance and he gave me a new life. I have a, I have a child, I have a wife now, you know, me that I used to be Mr. You know, Gigolo back then, you know what I mean? Now I came home, you know, and um, besides that I got, you know, I started living a normal life and, you know, I met a wonderful Christian woman and, you know, we just moved on from there. So if I could stress anything is that... Um, my life was over when I went to when I got incarcerated, but um, you know, through the saving grace of Jesus Christ, man, I really had a second chance. I don't deserve it, guy. I can't stress it enough, man. I don't. I'm not one yeah, of those yeah. guys that like a good guy, man. I look at the the crimes that I've done and the wrongs that I've done. Um, I won't take you know by my actions. I don't deserve a second. I feel I don't deserve a second chance. But God, with His saving grace and mercy, gave me one, and. You know, if you really come to him and you really repent, not not just be sorry that you got caught, but really repent from your heart the wrongs that you did, and not just look to get, not just look for to be protected or be delivered, but really repent and come to him. That's when God comes and really, with His love and grace, delivers you. So whoever your family member is that's incarcerated, man, even if it's he or she, he might be going through it, man. But some of us hard people. I can't stress it enough. Some of us hard people got to get hit in the head real hard before we get some sense knocked into us. And you might be surprised. That person that's incarcerated, um, no no telling what could have happened to them or her when they were outside. Imagine, in car, you know, they might be going through it in there, but they might not be getting killed. I was, I could have been running the streets and could have got shot or could have got stabbed or could have got thrown over, you know, a bridge or something. But even yeah. though I was, I was... I was still safe, you know what I'm saying? So I might be doing a divine work in that person's life. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, Angel, we appreciate you calling in and, uh, you know, asking questions to forgive him because what he's talking about, it's real. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people, especially in the uh, Hispanic community, as it were, you know, family members and people that we know, I'm sure, you know, many of us, especially in the inner city, know somebody who has been incarcerated or is incarcerated currently. But, uh, you know, uh, forgive him. We, you know, before we close up, let, let me uh, let me ask you, how can the uh, fans keep in touch with you and follow what you're doing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, you know, I, like I said, I use the rapid for uh, for ministry, but um, I have a website called ForgivenRapMinistry.com. Um, that's all. It's uh, Forgiven is in the word rap, R-A-P, ministry.com. Um, my website, my email address, if you want to email me, it's uh, Forgiven07003 at Yahoo.com. Um, I have a little radio show I'm starting up. It's mainly music and stuff. You know, I just try to put words out put uh, something out there for the kids to listen to. It's called The Forgiven Radio Show. You can hear that on the IBNGospel.com network, um, Saturdays 2 to 3 p.m. if you want. But like I said, oh, stress it. I can't stress it enough. If uh, you guys got kids or something that you want, you know, maybe you think this testimony, this message can help them in any way, man, you know, I pray for them. I'll reach out to them. Even if you got a guy, a kid locked up or something like that, I'll go see him, write him letters, whatever. So, you know, don't forget, you know, parents out there, if you got family members you think I might be able to, you know, connect with them somehow, some way to help you maybe so they can change their lives, just email me, man, forgiven07003 at yahoo.com, and, you know, I'll try my best to help because it's about changing people's lives, man. God saved my life. He can save theirs too. All right, Forgiven. Um, you know, we want to definitely thank you, but before I let you go, um, I know if I tried this earlier in the interview, uh, DG said you might have hung up on me, but I'm going to try to close this out with a little rap and tell me what you think. Mr. Forgiven. Oh, let me try, let me try, let me try. Mr. Forgiven, thank you for coming on the show and being so bold. We hope you liked being on Pure Gold. Click. Click. Not bad, right? The number you have has been disconnected. Good job. Good job. Thanks again for being Thanks again for coming on to Pure Gold. We definitely appreciate your insight, and uh, we wish you much continued success, sir. No problem. Thanks, guys, for letting me let me come on tonight. Have a good night. You too. All right, Forgiven. Brother, take care. You too. Um, folks, that was the one and only Forgiven OC, Juan de Jesus, a.k.a., who is joining us in that interview. Folks, that wonderful interview. As always, the interviews here on uh, PG are just the best that you'll find on, on the Internet, the radio, and the heavens above, the earth below. Folks, do you have a copier, printer, fax machine, a computer, or even a typewriter that needs repair? If you do, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400. They're located in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. EBM is a family-owned and operated business for over 50, count them, 50 years, where they specialize in service, sales, and supplies on all office equipment. Once again, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400, and if you mention Pure Gold, you get 20% off of your service order. Thank you, DG. It is now 10.30. It's now 10.30. We're actually on time, which is great. Uh, it's oh, wow. time for you know, It's time for our sports update. Here he is once again, Mr. Todd Johnstone, TJ. TJ, how are you, sir? I am great. How are you guys doing tonight? Wonderful. Good, good. I am a we got? Uh, Run DMC guy myself. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Did you, did you like my rap? Okay, so. <laughs> did you like my rap, TJ? <laughs> I, 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 I thought about it. 
So, in the NBA, the Pacers <laughs> top the Warriors 109-100. The Mavs top the Sixers 101-93. Raptors over the Hornets 96-90. Pistons fall to the Bucks 92-88. Lakers over the Timberwolves 90-79. The Grizzlies lead the Spurs 109-93. And there is no magic for the Knicks tonight as they fall to Orlando 116-110. Rockets Trailblazers, the Rockets lead at the end of the first. In the NHL, Canes blow past the Panthers 2-1. to one. The Sabres outshoot the Blue Shirts 3-2. to, uh, three to two. Very upset about that. My Blue Shirts fall. Canadians Sorry, over Atlanta 3-1. to one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm saving yours for last. Thanks. <laughs> Bruins over the Senators, one to nothing. Stars over the Coyotes. They are leading one nothing with eight to play in the second. Flames blow past the Blues six to nothing. Uh, Predators Oilers tied at the end of the first. The Avalanche and the Sharks ten uh, thirty. They they tee off any minute now. And Blue Jackets and Canucks tied zero zero with eight minutes to play in the first. And the Isles Isles drop another one to the Caps. One uh, they lose two to one in overtime. Fun of us. And that is your sports update. <laughs> <laughs> JV. Thank you, TJ. As always, it is now 1032. But before we let you go, TJ, it is always now time for Todd's Take. Todd, take it away, sir. So I'm in the kitchen the other day with my wife, and we're listening to NPR. Yeah, NPR. I said NPR. What? When I hear this story about Jay Feely and uh, he, his solidarity for, for the public unions, as well as all unions for that matter, and to say I was a little surprised is an understatement. So I was like, all right, to the Internet, we have to, we have to take a look at this. So I go to ESPN, and sure enough, Mike Sando reported that uh, Jay Feely of the Arizona Cardinals, the current kicker and former kicker of my beloved New York Jets, has been accused of misrepresenting uh, my son's cherished Carolina Panthers, owner Jerry Richardson's comments uh, to Peyton Manning and Drew Brees during Super Bowl week when he said, uh, when Jerry Richardson said, quote, I need to, do you need help to read, I can't even read my own handwriting here, do I need to help you read a re, uh, that revenue chart, son? Do I need to help you break that down because I don't know if you know how to read that, unquote. I was kind of surprised at Feely's uh, rebuttal when he went on to the Michael K. show on uh, ESPN here in New York, and he said, quote, when you bring a motion, that then that in – I can't even read my own writing tonight. God, i got to write slower. Please do. <laughs> when you bring that much emotion, you get in the way of logic. When the owner of the Carolina Panthers is going to criticize Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and their intelligence in our meeting Saturday, that doesn't go anywhere to trying to help us get a deal done, unquote. Now, if you happen to be a frequenter of, of uh, conservative television, namely Fox News, such as someone like myself, uh, yeah. you may remember having seen Jay Feely on the Hannity Show. Right? He's on there. Uh, he's a frequenter of the radio show. He has been on the TV show. And 
on the Master Quarter Extraordinaire Sean Hannity's show uh, of January 22nd, 2010, Feely was on there and he said that, I think Obama is a socialist Muslim whose policies are meant to cripple the country. I mean, those are some pretty right-leaning comments for a card-carrying union member. I mean, who are you, Jay Feely? What are you really about? Are you a liberal? Are you a conservative? Could you actually be, dare I say, a moderate? Is it possible that you, be, that you could be an educated athlete, a physically conser- a, a fiscally conservative liberal? Oh, my head hurts. I suppose that you could view this all as the two aspirin in my hand and consider yourself taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. JB? <laughs> Thank you, TJ. Uh, but I just want to, before I let you go, I do want to mention that last week you did have a birthday, and it was on February 23rd, as I believe. So I want to wish you a very happy and healthy birthday, sir. Well, happy birthday to you as well as your birthday was on Sunday, was it not? It was, I mean, as I recall. <laughs> well, happy wow. birthday to you. <laughs> TJ, uh, for t- for Thursday's report, I know you're going to give us the scores and your, your taken um, rant, but I also, if you could give us uh, an update now that the combine is going on, I'd love to hear what they're calling the combine this year. Oh, gosh. You know, I, I do watch the combine every year. I get a real charge out of, <clears throat> trying to pick out some, some like really great players that I think might actually uh, make it onto my own beloved Gang Green's team. And I have to say, this, this Cam Newton thing, they were just killing him on, on uh, NFL Network, showing all of this up-close footage of his face when he was throwing these errant passes and such. I mean, uh, then you flip over to ESPN and they love the guy. The guy can do no wrong. He was fantastic at the combine. His stock went up. I disagree. Uh, I thought that his comments uh, during his press conference were very immature. I thought that they were very ill-advised. I thought that his his uh, his workout at the combine itself, I thought it was sloppy. He ran slow. I mean, not that those the 40s or any of that stuff means anything, but if you're going to come to the draft expecting to be the first overall pick, and be this icon, as he says he's going to be, you better bring it when you come to the, to the combine. You can't come off all half, half-assed like he did. I mean, right. I felt really bad for him after the fact, to be honest. All right. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> they are calling it the combine, which I find it to be quite humorous. So, um, But, yeah, if you have anything more to report on Thursday, that would be great, TJ. You got it. I got my Have eye on defensive tackles. I got my eye on a lot of defensive backs who can't catch. The defensive back workouts today, whew, they were hard to watch. Those guys can't catch. I guess that's why they're DBs and not receivers. They're <laughs> DBs, all right. <laughs> all right, TJ, you, you have a good night, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Folks, that was the sports update and Todd's take brought to you by Rocco's Inner City Games. Rocco's Interstate Games, where your gaming needs are our specialty. We have new and used space. Sorry, we have new and used games at competitive prices, and we also repair all video game systems. Come to Rocco's for all your gaming needs. Call us at 973-883-6022 or visit us at 
69 Garden Street in Passaic, New Jersey. When you come in or you call, please mention Pure Gold. DG, if you're still on. Folks, our wonderful show, as always, brought to you by uh, EBM and Rockwell's Inner City Games. As we move on for the evening, folks, we'd like to thank, uh, you know, Todd for another wonderful Todd's take, and hopefully President Obama will not shut us down after that little uh, little debacle with uh, Hannity and everything. But we move forward, folks. Let's talk to us. Let's talk to you. What am I talking about, folks? I must be drinking the uh, the, the red Kool-Aid. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw. You know, it's always interesting with this show, JB, because we get into so many different things. You know, I mean, you got Todd talking about Sean Hannity and uh, liberal, conservative, moderate, you know, uh, crazy stuff going on. You've got the union. You've got this. You've got that. And then we also talk about, uh, you know, what goes on in prison and, and rap ministry and, you know, reaching out to people. And, you know, it's just interesting because this this show today perfectly encapsulates what Pure Gold is all about, sports, life, and everything in between. I mean, we've got football. We, we've got everything going on. So uh, a little politics, everything, you know. Let's move on to uh, to wrestling, folks. Let's get the other half. Let's get some sports entertainment here. Uh, last night's Monday Night Raw was, was quite interesting, I have to say. Uh, Triple H started out the show, and, uh, man, the crowd was dead as a cemetery for the most part during that. I don't know what Buffalo was on, but whatever it was, not very good, very weak. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, JB, but when the crowd is hot like they were for the Royal Rumble, that's what makes wrestling interesting. But when the crowd is dead, man, it sucks the life out of anything. Um, which is surprising because when The Rock was on, they were on fire. So I don't know what it was. Maybe Buffalo doesn't like trips. Well, but, uh, you know, it seemed to me like Triple H was cutting a promo in his living room. You know, it was a good job as usual by him. He did all the talking for the feud since Taker really can't talk. He's never been much of a talker. He's never been very good at it. But, uh, JB, my question to you is what in the hell – is the last outlaw exactly? What are we in the wild, wild west? Why do they come up with these stupid names for the Undertaker? Yeah, I, I hear you, and you're right about the the introduction to Raw. I mean, they couldn't have picked a a worse city to have Triple H come oh, out and nice. cut a, you know, to cut a promo like he did. I mean, it was a, a really it was really good what he said. Except, I guess you're right about the whole outlaw thing because, you know, Taker is definitely not an outlaw. He might be the last remaining icon in sports entertainment these days. Uh, but I guess yeah. he didn't want to use that because Shawn Michaels is the icon. So he had to think of something, but the crowd was so dead. And that's the first thing I noticed when Raw started last night was that, man, this crowd is dead. And they, they should have picked like a town like Boston or, or Chicago or even Madison Square Garden for a, a promo like uh, Triple H cut last night because you're right. When the crowd's not into it, it just really makes the promo pretty bad. Yeah, it, it, it was terrible, you know, it, it really was, and it's a shame because what he said was so good, but it's like the crowd took a big dump on it, you know, they were so, they weren't even into it, I, I found it interesting, he just kept saying Taker, and you know, the, the name Taker over and over again, like, ten times in one sentence, but that's just me and my, uh, you know, the way that I am when it comes to grammar and stuff like that, but the promo overall was good, let me ask you this, JB, what did you think about what happened after the pro, my wife was going nuts. I mean, to the point where I'm gonna have to sedate her during Monday Night Raw because she was screaming her lungs out. Sheamus is getting his guts stomped in, you know, and she was going crazy. But literally, Sheamus got obliterated by Triple H. You know, so much for that whole big uh, the King versus the quote unquote King of Kings feud that they were going for King Sheamus versus Triple H. I mean, w- what a waste that was. I don't know who he pissed off, but man. 
I imagine that future endeavors message on WWE.com is on its way, JB. Any thoughts on uh, Shameful last night? That was pretty bad. I mean, Triple H pretty much, cut, uh, you know, finishes promo, and all of a sudden, you know, you have King Sheamus, King of the Ring Sheamus, come down the ring, and he doesn't even get to really, you know, come down and, like, say what he wants to say. I mean, basically, Triple H kicks him, you know, in the jewels, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, you start to wonder, like we always talk about, you start to wonder, did Sheamus actually kill Vince McMahon's dog? And I think the answer to that is yes, because... I mean, Sheamus has been buried. I mean, not only that, you know, Sheamus was, was put into a match right after that, uh, right after he got kicked in the sack, as you would say, and you know, he faced he, he faced the, he faced the returning Evan Bourne, and he got no offense in, and Evan Bourne was able to beat him clean. So, you know, I mean, it, you know, Evan Bourne is you know on the rise. Sheamus is on the down. You know, soon we'll see Sheamus on like you know curtain jerkers, and then soon we'll see him in TNA. I think. I think he's really he's really done something to shame to Vince McMahon's dog. So. Yeah, I, I think there's a possibility that Sheamus might be hanging out with us and coming on our show as a third co-host pretty soon. You know, because I don't know what he did, but man, for a former two-time WWE champion, we used to complain that he was pushed too quick. Now it's the complete opposite. I'm actually wondering if if something happened between him and Stephanie or possibly him and Linda, because this is just over the top bad what they did. You know, we had talked about how we didn't want to see the, the King of Kings versus the, the King, as it were, uh, King Sheamus, because they feuded last year at WrestleMania. Well, Triple H took care of that with a kick into the sack, you know, whooped on him for a minute, pedigreed him through a table. You know, he, he made himself... And then, like you said, Evan Bourne comes in. The only offense Sheamus got was he pushed Evan away and then swung and missed, uh, you know, the clothesline, got kicked in the face. The best part was that I think Evan grazed his beard because he barely touched him. Sheamus fell, and then you got the the world's most beautiful shooting star press. And, yeah, it's good for Evan, but terrible for for Sheamus. And it's an absolute shame. You know, it's a shameful thing, like his song says. I've got no clue where they're going with that. But, uh, JB, moving on to – one, Michael Cole, and I know that you're a coal miner, but uh, give us your take on this whole Cole picking the trainer and guest referee. You mentioned last week with Justin Labar and even with Pyro that something needed to be done. A straight-up Cole versus Lawler match would be a bad idea. But where in the hell does Jack Swagger fit into any of this? When he said former world champion and all this, and I'm thinking like Sergeant Slaughter is going to come out or some, you know, some old washed-up dude per se – uh, but instead, he brings up the former world heavyweight champ Jack Swagger, who isn't even on Raw, has no business in this feud, makes absolutely no sense. JB, what in the blue hell is going on with this whole thing? You're right. When we talk about continuity, and you know, you know, WWE has had anything but continuity because yeah. it would have made sense. It would have definitely made sense to have Riley, you know, be this trainer of Michael Cole because it would be able to push Riley in a way. But uh, when Cole said that he has somebody that's trained him, and then when he mentioned Jack Swagger, I mean, you know, I, I obviously didn't curse or anything like that, but I said, what <laughs> the heck are they thinking? You know, I mean, Jack Swagger, and, you know, he fought, we talk about Jack Swagger, we talk about somebody like that, and we talk about somebody like Sheamus, and I know you want to mention one other person that, you know, basically was a world heavyweight champion and then falls into obscurity. The guy's not even on the WrestleMania card, and now this guy is training Michael Cole. I mean, how bad does that get for, like, Jack Swagger's career as well? 
Yeah, I mean, the only way that I could see this working is that if eventually it turns out to be a handicap match of some sort, which still makes no sense because Riley and Cole have been so closely affiliated. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, JB, I'm surprised that they didn't come out with, you know, the wife of a former world heavyweight champion, and then he brings out Vicky Guerrero because that would have made just as much sense as Jack Swagger made, you know, or even uh, Dolph Ziggler was world heavyweight champ for, what, eight, eight minutes or ten minutes? Uh, on uh, SmackDown last Friday, but uh, it's terrible. And you know, you and I usually agree, but this one was just, just bad news, my friend. Bad news yeah. indeed. Um, and just, you know, just remember, yeah, just mm-hmm. remember, just remember that um, that Cole didn't announce. He also he made two stipulations last night with Jerry Law. He says that he gets to pick who's in his corner, but he also gets to pick the special referee. So maybe next week we'll find out that Riley is that special referee. Well, I'm thinking that it's possible that Sheamus is going to end up being a special guest referee <laughs> considering how far he's been buried as of late. And uh, knowing what the way that they book him, he'll probably end up getting taken out with a drop toe hole by Lawler, and he'll sit in the middle of the ring for you know 25 minutes unconscious while this horrible <laughs> slop fest of a match goes on. But uh, right. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see where that goes. But uh, JB, moving on to uh, the one and only Randall Keith Orton. A.K.A. the beer fruiting man turd, man part, I believe, if I could steal a line from online onslaught. Um, he fought his usual terrible self. He went up against uh, Michael McGillicuddy, worst name ever, by the way, aside from Seth Rollins, but you know we'll get into that later. Uh, he, the, the feud with him and CM Punk progressed a little bit. Let me ask you a question, JB. Um, McGillicuddy gets punted into next week, so I'm guessing he'll be out uh, probably in FCW or whatever, which I, I don't understand. So the New Nexus is now down to only three people, and I'm guessing in the next couple of weeks, uh, uh, Mr. Jennifer Hudson, David Otunga will be taken out, and then, of course, uh, Batista Light, Mason Ryan, so it'll be Punk and, uh, and uh, Horton. But one thing I caught, and I don't know if you caught this, I know I didn't include it in my notes for the rundown, but, uh, you know, when I sent it to you, but... Josh Matthews made what I thought was a terrible point, interesting in a bad way. He said, and I quote, without the new Nexus, Punk has no chance against Orton. And my question to that is, if I can quote the Miz, really? Really? (laughs) Because, you know, now we need the announcers telling us that Orton is going to squash him at WrestleMania? A bad job by whoever wrote that crap. But, man, when I heard him say that, it jumped out at me like, what the hell is he talking about? He has no chance. You're telling us that former world champion CM Punk has no shot unless it's five on one. JB, give us your, your take on that. Well, the whole Randy Orton thing. I mean, the only way to book him now is to actually, you know, put him in matches against Nexus until he takes him out one by one until it's just him and Punk. Because, you know, obviously Orton on the mic sucks, and obviously the fans just love it when you know. Punk is saying, you know, don't do it, don't do it, you don't want to do this. And then, you know, obviously Orton then punts him, and then Nexus comes to the ring and they try to get him, but they can never catch him. So they got to think of a better plan than that. But you can see that the pattern is going to be that way for the next three weeks, that, you know, uh, Orton's going to take out each Nexus member with the punt, and then it's going to be one-on-one. And believe it or not, I know it sounds so logical for for Punk to lose to Randy Orton, but, you know, WrestleMania has been known to surprise a lot of us. Like, we always are good with our predictions, and then when it comes to WrestleMania, you know, we always expect the face to win that match, but I believe it or not, I'm going to have to, it's early on, it's only March 1st, but I'm actually going to pick Punk to win that match and continue that feud because if Randy Orton wins that match, I think the feud's over. So I, I really think that this, this feud's going to go on for a while, and I think that, you know, I believe it or not, I think Punk's going to win that match at WrestleMania. 
Um, I hopefully, you know, hope I agree with you definitely, but I hope that's the case because uh, when it comes to Orton, you never know. I'm just glad that Orton's not in the main event. But see, my thing is this. What's the point of the new Nexus? Are they just going to be done, one and done, and then that's it, have made no impact and be more impotent than the original Nexus? Because Husky Harris is out. Now McGillicuddy's out. You know, and the punts, people could be out for five years with that stupid punt. You know, uh, RVD still hasn't come back to the WWE after he was punted by uh, Randy Orton. So I'm not really sure how, how all that goes. But, you know, I, I forgot a point, JB. Let me go back for a second to the very beginning with the Triple H thing. What did you think about this? And maybe it's just me, but I really thought that when Trips was talking, he he basically buried the entire locker room. You know, talking about how there's no challenge left for him and no challenge left for Taker and there's nothing in the locker room. I mean, I understand that they've beaten everyone, but it really sounded like he was taking a big old crap on the entire WWE locker room, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I could see that point of view, but I could also see him making a speech, you know, you know, solely with him and Taker saying that these are the two guys that have withstood the test of time. They've been here for the longest, the longest tenured wrestlers uh, in the locker room. So I could see him, yeah. you know, not not really poo-pooing the roster, but just, you know, just saying that, you know, I've done it all. And he's almost like it's almost a concession speech if he lost, or if he's if he's going to lose at WrestleMania, saying that, you know, he's got nothing else to prove. He did mention that he was a 13-time WWE champion, but that's not true. I mean, some of those title reigns were actually World Heavyweight Title reigns. But, you know, he doesn't want to mention that because uh, that's just a fake lineage title. So um, he just combined all the title reigns and made himself the 13-time WWE champion, which I thought was funny, DG. Yeah, well, it's kind of like uh, Rick Flair. Rick Flair is an 85-time world – I'm sorry, that's his age. He's uh, a <laughs> 16-time world heavyweight champion, and some, right. some of his uh, title reigns, uh, you know, aren't even WWE or WCW. There's, there's some NWA ones in there, and, you know – I mean, Jerry Waller is, what, a 25-time world champion over in Memphis? So, I mean, yeah. who knows? But I, I, I just thought it was kind of odd. And, you know, I definitely, in my opinion, again, I think that he really took a dump on the locker room. And I get it. I get what he's trying to do in a sense. But I think he could have left that out and just said, you know what, uh, I've beaten everybody and, you know, this is it. As opposed to saying, like, there's nothing in the locker room. And I look back there and, the, you know, this is the scum that I see in the uh, in the <laughs> – in the WWE locker room, I look at a bunch of turds, but, uh, you know, that, yeah. that's just my take on it. You, you know what was great, too? Um, we didn't hit on it, but we should before we go on to the next part of Raw, was that um, I thought it was very cool um, to get Shawn Michaels onto, you know, on Raw last night and to give him his, give his take on the whole Triple H-Undertaker match. You know how he explained, you know, he basically explained that it really takes an attitude like Triple H, who's like a vicious at nature when he wrestles people, and he thinks that it takes that type of attitude to, you know, to actually beat Taker, especially at WrestleMania. But the, I thought the, the best part, and I want your comments on it or your thoughts on it, was when they asked uh, Shawn Michaels, how are you going to feel if Triple H does beat Taker? And he gave, like, the best answer, I thought, because he's like, Obviously, I'm going to be rooting for him because he's my best friend. But I don't know how I'm going to feel if he does beat the ta- if he does beat Taker at WrestleMania because obviously he wasn't able to beat Taker the last two years. What do you think about that? I think it's <laughs> I think it's interesting because if if wrestling were real, I think it's a great point to make. Like you know, because obviously if if you did something that I couldn't do, like in terms of wrestling, if we were both wrestlers, not only would I would I screw you out of the match, I would sabotage you and make sure that you lose just so that you didn't. Do eclipse what I did in real life, but in terms of this, I mean, it's all scripted. So for him to say that it comes across great, 
And storyline-wise, it's awesome, but, you know, I mean, it is what it is. You've got to take it with a grain of salt considering that it's not, it's not real. But uh, to, you, know, you mentioned the, the WWE Championship thing, the 13 title reigns. I just looked it up. You know, I had our, our board ops. I had our, our media director, Jose. I had every, everybody looked this up. Uh, Triple H actually had five World Heavyweight title reigns, and it's been over six years since he last was World Heavyweight Champion. So I, I believe that that's why he hasn't mentioned it because he's getting so old that he forgot that he was ever a world heavyweight champion in the first place. Nice. <laughs> I, just, uh, um, <laughs> I just have to throw that out there, JB. All right. And then, obviously, we had, you know, and I'm going to let you start with this one because, you know, he's your favorite wrestler or second favorite wrestler of all time. What did you think of the third installment of the promo war between John Cena and The Rock? What did you think of Rock's promo? Well, to correct you, sir, is my fourth favorite after Jericho, but, you know, that's not what I know there. Um, yeah, to get that right. It was by far the best promo of the night, in which was really a promo-heavy uh, night. I loved it. I know that my wife said the same thing that you told me off the air, that uh, it wasn't his best promo or it wasn't as good as the last one. I mean, that's not the point. The point is that he came back, he fired everything, uh, you know, as much as he could. And like you were talking about, Sean, I touched on it. If wrestling was real, I tell you, J.B., Rock would have 100% convinced me that he wants to punch John Cena in the face because he was so passionate, he was so into it, he was so determined that he was insulted by John Cena. I mean, I I felt like I believed him, JB. I got to admit, you know, he convinced me that he wants to punch uh, John Cena in, in his mouth, you know, in his fruity pebbles-eating mouth because The Rock was so into it. And it was a long promo, which is, you know, it's The Rock, so it's all right. But I like the fact that it wasn't... The end of the night, I like the fact that it wasn't, the, you know, it, it was perfectly placed, which I like. But uh, give me your thoughts on that, JB. I mean, I, I loved the promo. I thought it was great. He made some funny points, had me cracking up. But when The Rock talks, you hear the electricity. You feel the electricity. And that crowd in Buffalo that was taking a nap or whatever they were doing for Triple H, man, they sure as heck came alive for that promo. They sure did. But um, I think it's also a testament to John Cena's, you know, you know counter or rebuttal last week when he, you know, he called out The Rock, told him that, you know, you haven't been around for like seven years and that you haven't done this, you haven't done that. And I think that, you know, of course The Rock responds to that and he's all pissed off and, you know, you really feel like, you know, Rock really hates John Cena. I, I think it's just a testament to John Cena's promo that he cut last week. I think he did such a good job that, he, of course, he infuriated The, the Rock and now they're just going to keep taking it to the next level. So I think that John Cena um, and Rock hopefully are taking a step closer towards a match. I mean, it, it doesn't get more serious than what The Rock was saying last night. I mean, you even, he even asked, um, he even said the, the I forget how it, exactly he worded it, but he mentioned something like, why did you go to Hollywood? And then The Rock explained that he basically paved the way for all the rest of the WWE superstars like himself, who, like, let's, let's face it, The Rock is a great actor, and everyone yeah. else just, you know, plain sucks. I mean, between the chaperone and all the movies that John Cena has made, I mean, th there's no comparison between what the... Sir. Yeah, and him too. I mean, th these guys are great entertainers in the ring, but The Rock is the only one that probably has successfully made it into Hollywood, and he's just telling the fans and everyone, and John Cena especially, that, listen, buddy, I paved the way for you, and you you got to appreciate that at least. No, I, I agree, and, you know... If I could correct The Rock, you kind of admit, JB, that the man who really paved the way for Hollywood in wrestling is Hulk Hogan. Because with classics, 
like uh, what, what was it, Mr. Nanny and uh, Suburban Commando. I mean, The Rock would never be where he is if it wasn't for those amazing movies. That put don't forget Noel Barney. Well, don't forget well, Noel Barney. It should have won an Oscar. Let, let's be let's be real. That movie should have won swept the Academy Awards that year because that is by far. Not only is it a great piece of cinematic storytelling and just yeah. an amazing job by Terry Bollea, Terry Jean Bollea, uh, to portray the angst that went through, you know, the Rip Torn or whatever the hell his name was, Rip something, I forget, Rip Boulder, but he, his performance was, I cried, JB, I absolutely was in tears during that movie. Uh, you well, know, he should, dude, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he should have won an Oscar him. there, but he should have won an Oscar there, but he should have also won an Oscar, you forget about Rocky Three. I mean, come on. Well, Rocky Three is, you know, I believe it won 12 Oscars, but then uh, when they found out that Hulk Hogan was involved, they took all the Oscars away. I'm not sure. I can't really, you know, that, that, that's, what, that's what's uh, on the Internet. Those are the rumors. But aside from that, uh, if we can get back to reality and get out of the Twilight Zone for a second, you know, The Rock is a very good actor. He, he really is very talented, and I think that that's what made him such a great entertainer and a wrestler because he wasn't the best technically sound guy. I mean, Bret Hart, you know, would run circles around him. Uh, Benoit, you know, even someone like Jericho or even Shawn Michaels, to a, to a lesser extent, and of course Mr. Daniel Bryan. But he could put on a show like nobody else, whether he was face or heel. And what I found interesting, the, the best part to me about the whole promo is that The Rock basically confirmed that he's going to be showing up in person on Raw before WrestleMania to see Cena face-to-face, and that, my friend, is going to be must-see television. At this point, Raw, you've you got to watch it. You can't miss a minute of it because something great could happen. You set the DVR, do what you got to do, and I can't tell you, even last year's WrestleMania, it, just, it doesn't compare to what's going on this year, and as a fan, it's great because, like you told uh, Hans last week, we're usually so negative, but there's so much to like about this whole Rock-Cena feud. Um, and ultimately, I guess the fact that they're not going to be in a WrestleMania match is, is the, the real negative of it. But for them to be, for, for the Rock to show up three or four times before WrestleMania on the, the television is great. You know, you can't beat it. Let me ask you this, though, JB. John Cena's in a weird place with this whole thing. It's clear that in, in this field, the Rock is the face and Cena's the heel even though it's kind of going back and forth, maybe the tweener. But when it comes to him and Miz, he's supposed to be the face, and Miz is clearly the heel. Um, but Cena's in an odd position with this match because everything going on with The Rock, let's be honest, JB, it overshadows the main event. So uh, g- give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, we touched upon it last week with Pyro. You know, Pyro did mention that, you know, he's sick of the the 100% face, the 100% heel. So, you know, Cena is going to play the role of the tweener, and, you know, I guess we have to live with that because I'm not okay with that, to be honest with you, because yeah. how can you have somebody that's a face, um, you know, facing the Miz and then also be, like, the hated one facing the Rock? So, I, I don't know. I, I don't like it myself, but uh, that's the way that the WWE is going to play it. I, you know, hopefully, you know, I think, if anything, we'll be happy if this ends in a match, you know, whether it be down the road or at SummerSlam or somewhere down the road, because yeah. I think the fans deserve one match between these two people. I, I'm, you know, the, the the war of the words is, you know, can only get you so far. Like, how much more can they say to each other in the next couple of weeks that we haven't really heard? I mean, it, it, can, it can only lead to a physical confrontation, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree with you, and I actually think that they're probably going to get into the fisticuffs, as it were, um, in the next couple of weeks, possibly next week, but we'll see. With Austin coming back, 
as, a, as an attraction. They probably won't bring The Rock back until the following week or so. You know, we're only, what, two or three weeks away from Mania at that point. But um, I'd love to see uh, Cena get whooped by The Rock. And I agree with you. They need to fight. This needs to become a match. We can't hold out hope for it because The Rock has said he doesn't want to f- wrestle. But, man, what a sweet match that would be. And it would really just get the people pumped up and excited. But, um, you know, we'll see where that goes. I, I think that the... Like I said, and you touched on it, but the, the position that Cena's in is weird, and I think that um, if this was a triple threat match, an actual match, it would make sense to play it the way that they're playing it. But really, Cena's somewhere in the middle, and it's just he's supposed to be the face going into Mania against The Miz, and if The Rock ends up being the guest referee, it's just going to be weird and, and going to put Cena in a bad spot with the fans because they're going to be booing the crap out of Miz. They're going to be booing the crap out of him and cheering The Rock. So it, it, it'll be similar to... Uh, Goldberg, uh, Goldberg Lesnar with Austin as the guest referee at WrestleMania 20, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see where that goes. JB, any uh, any closing thoughts on Raw before I move on to some uh, big old nuggets? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have to say is that, um, and we'll we'll get more in depth about Raw, and we'll we'll, we'll get Pyro's take on Thursday with On Fire with Pyro, obviously. But the only other yeah. thing was that the main event was John Cena versus Riley, and basically the stipulation, and it was inside a steel cage, by the way. The only stipulation yeah. that it was was that if John Cena wins the match, Riley would be fired or wouldn't be in the corner of Miz. And you know, John Cena found a way to win. So now they get rid of Riley, who is you know just I think a waste now that they they haven't put him with the whole Cole and Lawler feud. So that was your yeah. main event. It was non. You know, it was anticlimactic. You knew that John Cena was going to win. So, basically, at WrestleMania, you have The Miz versus John Cena one-on-one without Riley. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Sarah. You know, we'll we'll see where that goes. But I think Riley should be involved in some way, shape, and form, maybe to ingratiate himself uh, back into the Miz's good graces. But, you know, we'll see where that goes. Actually, um, our, our producer, I'm sorry, media director, forgive me, uh, Jose, just told me that, he would pay to see Cena versus The Rock, and that man won't pay for anything. So I have to admit that, that that's pretty big news coming from uh, Mr. Jose, our, our wonderful media director. But uh, moving on to some nuggets, JB, I, I'm, I'm not sure if – I know we didn't discuss this earlier. I have a few that I'd like to get into. But um, if any of you read the spoilers, you know that Sting signed with TNA again, unfortunately, and he is now, as of uh, this Thursday or next show, he'll be the current uh, world champion. You know, uh, the reason I bring this up is because they did this promo video that completely ripped off the 2-21-11 Undertaker promo. And, you know, Joe, I know you saw the time I showed it to you. TNA continues to show how below budget and how Bush League and amateurish they are. They even had the same type of lettering for the 3-3-11 as the WWE had for 2-21-11. They had the man in the trench coat walking in the rain. They're just so bad and so terrible. I wish that I could TNA was a person so I could, like, punch it in the face because... It's just plain awful. You know, they continue their rehashing of all things WWE, and it shows to me while they'll never be any good, JB. Oh, my God. When I met, when I watched that video that you sent me, I couldn't believe it. And then I DVR TNA, but I, I pretty much fast-forward through everything. But I had to watch that thing on my TV, uh, that last bit, and I can't believe that the TNA would actually stoop to be so low and copy the exact promo of the Taker, uh, of Undertaker, <laughs> that they just had like a couple weeks ago. 
uh, you know, leading up to being the taker. And I can't believe TNA did the same exact thing for Sting. I mean, it doesn't get more Bush League to, to, to copy somebody, you know, almost exactly the week after. I mean, it was so yeah. bad. I, I, I just, you're right, this is a great nugget to talk about, and it just shows you how bad TNA is. You know, it, it, TNA is, I'll say this right now, TNA is going to go out of business. This is, this, this is the worst. The WWE pretends that they don't even exist, and anything outside of the WWE is not wrestling, you know. But TNA talks about how, you know, I remember reading something about the Women's Championship, the, the Knockouts Championship, and I forget which wrestler said it. Maybe it was Chris Jericho, maybe it was Lance Storm. I forget. But, you know, there was a promo where I think it was uh, – Man, I forget her name. I don't know if it was Taylor Wilde or one of those one of those girls. I don't think that she's with the company anymore. But anyway, they're feuding with uh, maybe it was Madison Rain. They're feuding with Mickey James, right? And they talk about how she was the women's champion in the the best company in the business, and right, they're feuding for the knockout title. But they're they're saying that their company is is not the best. That you were somewhere else, which was better than here. But now you're here, so let's talk about what you did somewhere else. That doesn't even make sense. That's like, uh, you know, if you work for, a, I don't know, if you work for like a local grocery store after you work for Pathmark, and then at the grocery store, they, they copy everything Pathmark does, they bash Pathmark, and then they talk about how great Pathmark was at the same time, and how much better it is than whatever you're doing now. It just doesn't make any sense, Joe. It's just so bad, and TNA needs to, needs to just uh, close up. I know, <laughs> I heard that Chris Jericho talked about this, and, you know, he basically said the same thing, how it's just disgrace, it's a disgrace. And how Vince wants them to succeed, the wrestlers want them to succeed, Jericho wants them to succeed. But by doing this crap, it just shows how terrible they are, uh, Joe. There's just no if ands or buts about it. Yeah, I, I thought Triple H did take a shot, by the way, at TNA to an extent when he says he's beaten legends and immortals. So I thought that was a pretty cool shot at maybe TNA. No, I, I think it definitely was. Anything you mentioned in morals, you're talking about the one and only uh, Bulk Fogan, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan. But <laughs> Triple H never beat him, so I don't know what the hell he was talking about. I guess we'll we'll, we'll see where that goes. But, uh, you know, I have one more a TNA nugget before moving on to one other thing uh, as, as we're, you know, winding the show down. Um, I love Sting. You know, he's he's great, one of my favorites. But he, he wasn't the dude from the 2-21-11. We got that. But to come back out of nowhere, win the title – you know, Jeff Jarrett just won it like two weeks ago. It, it's like the WWE was with the Attitude Era. Yeah, we love certain parts of that, but I always thought that their title reigns were ridiculous, and to have Anderson win the title, lose it three weeks later, back to Jeff Hardy, who's, you know, probably who wouldn't even know when or if he's going to prison, and then lose it two weeks later to Sting, returning completely out of left field, no story, makes no sense at all, and unfortunately they'll never be more than what they are now. And for those of you TNA fans out there, you need to lock it up, throw away the key, and burn that you-know-what to the ground because TNA absolutely sucks. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the only TNA fans there are are the ones in Florida that get in for free, uh, DG. Let's face it, I don't think they'd be paying for a product like that. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, we'll get into this in a little bit, but I went to an IWF show, and IWF is better than TNA. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But, uh, JB, do you have any uh, any uh, nuggets I actually have uh, two more nuggets, three more nuggets that I'd like to get into, but do um, you have anything before I, I uh, you know, keep this bad boy rolling? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, if you got that many nuggets, DG, here on Pure Gold, let's uh, roll with your nuggets because I want to talk about the Oscars, but, uh, you know, I think I could bring up my nuggets on Thursday. 
All right, that that sounds good. Anytime that I get the glory and you don't, it's it's great for me. But uh, you know, I want I wanted to mention something that happened last Thursday. We didn't get a chance to get into it. Um, and you'll probably have no comment on this, but the WWE All Stars roster was revealed. Um, you know, I'm going to mention the, some of the legends. You have uh, Hulk Hogan, Warrior, Delta Warrior, Macho Man Randy Savage, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Jake the Snake Roberts, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, uh, the one and only uh, Mr. Perfect. We have Bret Hart, Andre the Giant, Eddie Guerrero, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, Superfight Jimmy Snooker, Sergeant Slaughter, and the downloadable talent is made up of legends like the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Jerry the King Lola, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Polka Dots and All, the Big Boss Man, Michael P.S. Hayes, and the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, and my one of my favorites, Mr. Chris Jericho himself. JB, give us your thoughts, if you can, on this absolute all-star roster for this video game coming out. I think it's probably one of the best rosters ever for a video game. I mean, you mentioned so many different legends there. It's amazing that they were able to get all those legends into one game. I'm sure that a lot of people, I'm sure yourself, is going to buy that game and going to scum it up all night long. <laughs> of course. Well, hopefully my wife will buy it for me instead. And you know, she oh, made a note of that, note of that the other day. But uh, <laughs> I just thought that was, uh, you know, it's interesting to get into all that. And now that Booker T and you know Kevin Nash are back in the fold, maybe they'll make them a uh, part of the game at some point. But uh, you know, moving on to some some other sports, some mainstream sports. I have two notes. One of them will pertain directly to you, sir. Carlos Beltran has officially moved to right field for the New York. Stem this season. The Mets are probably going bankrupt, and who knows what the hell is going to happen with them. But uh, I thought it was interesting because it's been talked about all spring. I suppose having a healthy build trend, no matter what position he's playing in, even if it's you know relief pitcher, is better than having him get worn down in center. But JB, and I know you agree with me on this. I don't see Angel. I know that every Mets fan, every scum Mets fan out there who likes the bootleg guys and the Chico Walkers of the world and the Keith Millers of the world. I don't see Pagan as an everyday player. I am not in love with him like every other fan seems to be. And I just, I don't know, man. I don't think this is going to go so well for the Mets if we can look at them uh, unbiased and strictly from a baseball perspective. I just, Pagan in center field, I don't know. Uh, my opinion, I'm not too fond of it. JB? I'm not too fond of it either. I mean, we've talked about it way, uh, we've talked about it so many times, you know, off the air that Pagan on any other team, any other good team, I guess, or competitive team, it's like a fourth outfielder, maybe a fifth outfielder. There's no way this guy should be a starting center fielder. I mean, only on the Mets could he be the starting center fielder, I'll be honest with you, with a, a team that has so much disarray on and off the field. It's a good thing that Carlos Beltran, you know, ended the controversy, decided to take right field. I know it's, he's in his last year. So I think he's just, he's just you know, try to heal up, play right field, and then test the free agent market. Um, and then, you know, it also shows that he's a team player by, you know, saying that, you know, Pagan can have center field. I was hurt last year. I'm rehabbing. I'm still not 100%. So let me play right field, and then hopefully I can get, you know, be a center fielder on a different team. So, you know, the whole Pagan situation, I mean, again, he's a fourth outfielder at best on a good team. So, obviously, he's a starting center fielder for the Mets. Makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Did you say that he was going heel, by the way? I just want to make – I just want to get that clear. Did I say Pagan was going heel? No, I think you said Beltran was going heel, but I just wanted to make sure that we you oh. know, we're not talking wrestling. But no. uh, okay. uh, my final nugget, JB, what do you think of all the soon-to-be releases of the New York Jets? You got Mr. Vernon Golston, 
Jason Taylor, Damian Woody, and Chris Jenkins let go or about to be let go. JB, give us your thoughts on that. Well, it's pretty easy. Chris Jenkins, for two years in a row, the first game of the season, the guy gets hurt and he's out for the rest of the season. He's also getting up there in age, so that's an easy release. Damian Woody, getting up there in age, again, easy release. Jason Taylor, getting up there in age, didn't have a year like the Jets had expected, so they released him. And who was the fourth, you said? Oh, Vernon Golston. There's a guy that just never panned out. They tried him in different positions. And when he couldn't even, you know, play the last position that he played, which I, I, sorry, I forget, folks, what position he played last year, and he didn't pan out there, it was time to release him. So I could see the Jets, you know, clearing out a lot of salary cap with those four guys. You know, they're going to keep LaDainian Tomlinson, and, you know, we'll see if they re-sign um, Cromartie and some key guys. But, you know, I, I have no problem with them releasing those four guys, DG. I just think that either they were washed up or just didn't pan out like Vernon Golston. Yeah, well, I mean, I actually heard that uh, the New York Mets signed Damian Woody and Vernon Golston <laughs> to try out for the fifth outfielder spot. So um, I'm not really sure about that, but, you know, we'll see where that goes. Uh, maybe Golston can try his hand at something else. But, uh, you know, um, before we before we finish on, uh, on this wonderful show on, on our, you know, last bit of info, um, I just wanted to read this real quick, if I could, what Jericho said about TNA, because, uh, you know, I think it speaks volume coming from one of the greatest of all time. You know, he said, if, and I quote, it drives me nuts, and I'll tell you the reason why. I'm the biggest fan of TNA as a concept. I want them to be huge. Vince wants them to be huge because the more competition there is, it's better for business, better for the boys, better for the fans. I don't understand their obsession with copying the WWE. I think it's lame. It's Bush League, and I don't get it. They have some of the best talent, some great idea men. Why do they do this? Why do their guys, and this is interesting, why do their guys go out there and say, when I was in the WWE, I was left behind and I was held back? If I was working for TNA, I would project that it's the greatest wrestling company in the world because if you're not projecting it, why is anyone going to believe it? When we were in ECW, it was small, never made more than 250 a show, but you would die for that company. When you came across the fans, the fans came across that way. And suddenly you have this underground revolution going on, and it was real. It was a revolution, and people believed it was the best. No one in TNA believes they're the best company, and if they don't believe it, then why am I going to believe it? Why am I going to buy their product? And in closing, uh, he quoted us, Bush League, I think he just heard the interview that we did, our, you know, our whole spiel, and he just quoted this right now. It's so Bush League, they can do better than that, and the guys on top there should know better, and it really makes me mad because they're wasting money, don't have to be wasting money, but I'm not bearing TNA. I'm saying you should be ashamed of yourself because you can do better. So I just thought those were some interesting thoughts that pretty much parallel what we just said by Mr. Uh, Y2J himself, Chris Jericho. JB, Sunday was your birthday. Talk to us. What did Just Business do on his, what is it, 35th, 38th? How old are you again? 45? I forget. Well, let's just say that I, last year I was Larry Bird. I was 33. This year I moved up to Paul Pierce. Now I'm 34, sir. And, or Mike uh, Duffrey. Yeah. Don't forget about Mike Duffrey. Yeah, but I don't like to refer to myself as or compare myself to somebody that licks their hands constantly. That's a little gross, if you ask me. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> but my birthday, honestly, was a ho-hum 34. Uh, didn't do anything special. Just took out, you know, basically restaurants, I, which I didn't realize, don't open until like 4 or 5 o'clock on a Sunday. So I didn't get to <laughs> do course. anything, really. I didn't get to go out until about 4 o'clock where I went out, took my in-laws, my dad, my sister, my sister-in-law, and there was just about the ten of us. We ate, you know, had the birthday cake. You know, Sabrina helped me blow out the candle, which was nice. Um, she, you know, she Wait, helped me open the Where did you go to pres- eat? 
Oh, I went to a, an Italian restaurant in Lyndhurst called Piazza Margarita, so you can't get more Italian than that name, and the food was really good. But, uh, you know, it was a whole home birthday, but, you know, the best part is obviously um, having your your daughter or your son, obviously I have a daughter, Sabrina, helping me blow out the candles and, and, and helping me, you know, helping me open the presents. And I thought the cutest gift I got was from Sabrina. She got me a blue transformer because she said, Daddy, I want you to have a little robot which really meant that she wanted a little robot, but she got it for me for my birthday. <laughs> That's cute. Now, I was, now, I'm wondering, did Sabrina have a job or anything where she's buying you these expensive gifts? I mean, wh- wh- where did that come from, sir? I think she's one of the monkey writers for the WWE. Oh, okay. Well, that, that would explain a lot of their childish <laughs> promos. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, that exactly. being aside, uh, you know, I'm glad you went to Mike Piazza Margarita Restaurant. That's really, really uh, some good stuff. I know you're big on the Italian food. Um, and I know that this Saturday we're going to have a special, uh, you know, bang, bang, shoot 'em up uh, special pure gold dinner this weekend. So it should be very, uh, very interesting. But, you know, congrats on your 34th birthday. You know, if that's your real age, um, you know, pure gold, we wish you a happy and healthy one. Hopefully you'll have another 34 years on the air with us here, uh, either backstage or, you know, as a janitor in some capacity, you know, if you're not too uh, washed up, sir. But, uh I actually went to the IWF this Saturday. I took my nephew, um, and he loved it. You know, he was really into it. Um, I know, Joe, you wanted to ask me a couple of questions, so, uh, you know, let's rock and roll, sir. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I had mentioned, uh, I think we had mentioned to Kevin Kevin Knight, uh, the owner of the IWF, a couple months ago when we had him on that we would be going, but uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to attend, just babysitting issues. So uh, DG went in my right. place for pure gold. Uh, the, the things I just want to know, just tell the fans. Basically, what did you think of the atmosphere of the, of the IWF? The atmosphere is amazing, you know, and uh, it really is a good family atmosphere. And I was telling you off the air that I really think that, I mean, the place only seats about 100 people, so, you know, it's it's, a, it's not a big it's not a big thing per se, but uh, you know if they if they could find a bigger location and they can get maybe uh, you know an extra hundred hundred and fifty you know pack it out at two fifty I really think that they could pack that bad boy out and at fourteen fifteen bucks a ticket it's really a good value you get good entertainment you know the storylines you know, you can follow them they're easy the in ring action is actually you know quite well. Uh, you know, well orchestrated and it's good. Kevin Knight really knows how to, you know, play the crowd and, and do what he has to do. And you know, the crowd's really into it. There was this one uh, kid who was going insane. You know, he has this this absolute crazy hatred for one of the wrestlers, which was uh, you know, pretty interesting. But uh, aside from that, it was a, it's a great atmosphere, Joe. I think it's a great place to take your kids if they like wrestling. And you know, say you can't afford uh, the WWE or, or you know, can't, they don't get out here that often. If you can go to the IWF. Man, you'll love it. If you like wrestling, it's 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 great family environment, no cursing or anything. And you know, one of the guys actually, from what I was told by his mother, no less, uh, is gonna get a tryout with the WWE. I believe this week, but uh, sooner than later. His name is Flex Freeman, and you know, we're hoping to get, see if we can get him on the show. But you know, see how that goes. So maybe we'll see Mr. Freeman one day in the WWE. He's a huge guy, about six five, weighs about three hundred pounds, according to his uh, his mama. And uh, built like a like a brick house, and you know we'll, we'll, he put on a good show and a triple threat. So it was good, JB. It was very good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And hopefully next time you'll be able to go and stop using your daughter as an excuse for why you can't get out of the house. Yeah, I mean you'll, soon you'll be using the excuse when your son is born in late October. So uh, you know, just uh, be careful what you uh, you tell me now because I'll be throwing it all back in your face in October. So 
Oh, of course, of course. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, I actually, uh, we saw the first uh, sonogram today, and we saw him. He was hiding last time, apparently. And, uh, you know, we saw a little heartbeat and the way that everything goes. And it was just, it was an amazing experience, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. My wife and I are thrilled, and I can't wait, you know, for that bad boy to, to come out, you know, giving stunners and rock bottoms to all the other babies in the uh, in the, the arena, as it were, at the hospital. So that that was exciting, and, you know, I'm really just, so thrilled and so blessed for that. But, uh, you know, JB, as we close out the show, one more time, our sponsors, por favor, we have executive business machines, folks. If you have a copier, printer, fax machine, a computer, or even a typewriter that needs repair, if you do, call executive business machines at 201-797-9400. They are located in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. EVM is a family-owned and operated business for over 50 years where they specialize service, sales, and supplies on all office equipment. And I've used them before, folks, and I speak from experience. They definitely do a good job. They're, they're technicians and their people know what they're doing. You know, call Executive Business Machines once again at 201-797-9400. Make sure you mention Pure Gold and you get 20% off your service order. Folks, our other sponsor for tonight's Pure Gold was Rocco's Inner City Games. Rocco's Inner City Games, where your gaming needs are our specialty. We have new and used games at competitive prices, and we also repair all video game systems. Come to Rocco's for all your gaming needs. Call us at 973-883-6022 or visit us at 69 Garden Street in Passaic, New Jersey. When you call or come in, please mention Pure Gold. DG, as always, great night, and we will talk Thursday. Yes, sir. Folks, on Thursday we have a special guest, special from Mr. JB, we have the one and only former New York Jet, Bruce Harper. He'll be discussing his amazing career with the New York Jets organization and, of course, what he started with Heroes and Cool Kids. If you recall, we had Keith Wise back on, uh, you know, almost two months ago at this point, and Keith is a part of Heroes and Cool Kids, but Bruce is, you know, one of the founders, so he's going to be discussing all that with us, and, of course, we're going to talk to him about firing Ed and, you know, wearing his jersey and everything else, uh, you know, wearing number uh, 42, I believe it is. Bruce is a you know, great guy. I know him personally, and you know, he agreed to come on our show, so we're very excited about that. That was a special guest that I had for, uh, for Joe. And, of course, we'd like to give a special thanks to Mr. Juan De Jesus, who could be a part of our team, because he's also known as Forgiven OC, uh, for joining us tonight, you know, sharing his life story and you know, being able to share with Angel and our callers. Um, you know, we'd like to thank Angel, of course, from Woodland Park for calling in. Always welcome to join the Pure Gold uh, you know, fans. I'd like to thank Todd for our sports update, to Fitz, our producer, Kelly, our board op, and, of course, the one and only Jose, our media director. Remember to tune in this Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. Good night, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.